Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. When the best baseball player in the world, maybe the best baseball player ever, is available, then that's kind of a big deal. Even if Shohei Otani's free agency is shrouded in more mystery and intrigue than Stonehenge and the lost city of Atlantis and the Bermuda Triangle and the moon landing all rolled into one. I mean, seriously, why is this so secret? Why is this so secret? I feel like Shohei is somehow, somewhere, somehow even getting offended that I brought it up. Shohei is offended that I'm talking about his free agency on air. Offended that I even went there. Listen, he's a private dude. I get that. A private dude in the middle of the biggest negotiation of his or anybody else's life. I respect that. But even he respects that. Even Eldrick respects that. It's private. Private. But at some point, the privacy demands get to be a little bit much. And I think we've passed that point. In fact, I think we passed that point yesterday when the baseball world blew up at the most innocuous and innocent comment ever from one of the best dudes ever. And of course, that comment was made by my dude, Dave Roberts. That's private. Surprise, surprise. Everybody found a new reason to hate on Dave. What a shocker. Everybody found a new reason to blame Dave Roberts for something. Even though the supposedly horrible thing that he caused by what he said yesterday hasn't even happened yet. Oh, but to Dodger fan, it's still his fault. I would say it's incredibly stupid how upset people are with him right now. But then again, when aren't people upset unreasonably with Doc? (laughs) The best guy ever, by the way. So let me play the scandalous, salacious comment that shook the baseball world to its core, even if it sends Dodger fan straight off the deep end. I just want to make sure everybody is prepared for this. This is very, very graphic in nature. Before I play this for you, I want to make sure you know what's coming. Before I ask Alvi to unleash the beast... I want to make sure you know, so none of you come at me with, hey, Rome, it would have been nice to get a heads up. It would have been nice if you gave me a little heads up before you just dropped that on me. In fact, maybe we should clear this with the FCC. Maybe I should clear this with the suits back in New York. Maybe it wouldn't even be responsible or acceptable to air this. It's that volatile. It's that obscene. It's that inflammatory. At least if you ask Dodger fan and even Dodger front office. Because according to Dodger fan and Dodger front office, Dave Roberts committed the ultimate sin. The ultimate sin this baseball offseason with this response to the question of whether or not the Dodgers have met with Shohei yet. Yeah, we met with him. You know, I don't want to. I'd like to be honest, and so uh, we, we we met with Shohei, and uh, we talked, and um, I think it went well. I think it went well, but at the end of the day, uh, he's his own man, and he's going to do what's best uh, for himself, uh, where he feels most comfortable. Holy crap! He went there. Oh man, you want to talk about an earthquake? How are any of my monitors still up? How is this studio still standing? Holy crap, he went there. Somebody admitted publicly to speaking to Shohei. Wow. I mean, that's it. That's all he said. That whole bunch of nothing is why everybody is all up in their feels. And Dodger fan is completely beside themselves. Because everybody is worried that that completely innocuous, empty comment just cost the Dodgers arguably the best player ever. I'm telling you, I'm not Dodger Jim. I'm not. But if I were, I would be ashamed to be Dodger Jim right now. Because this nonsense is beyond embarrassing. And it's not just Dodger fan participating in this nonsense either. It's also Dodger front office. 
Check this out from USA Today. Quote, the moment his media session ended, a stern text message on his cell phone awaited him. He immediately huddled with Dodgers public relations officials to make sure that he was no longer so candid. End of quote. Damn, are we serious? What are we talking about here? He got scolded by his bosses because of the answer I just played. You know, the answer where he said nothing. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? What are we even doing here? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Dodgers GM Brandon Gomes even had a chance to clear the air on all this drama a few hours later when he hopped on MLB Network, but instead he did this. What are your thoughts on Dave's comments? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's not something we feel comfortable going into right now. I really appreciate the question, but certainly not going to go into details. Yo, man, we'd have you guys back. I mean, are we talking about nuclear secrets? Are we talking about nuclear secrets? Are we talking about the most obvious information ever that everybody already knew before Dave Roberts said a thing? And he didn't even say a thing. Of course the Dodgers are in it for Shohei. Of course they're one of the teams that met with Shohei. Everybody knows this. Everybody has known this was coming for months, even years. So why are we acting like him saying it out loud is some sort of federal crime? Why are we killing the best dude ever for being honest and innocuous? Because Shohei's not going to choose the Dodgers now? I mean, is that what you're saying? Because he acknowledged that they met and that he thought it went pretty well. Does that mean that Shohei's going to be like, oh, they're out. Not going there. They could not abide by my rules. Yeah, because Shohei is about to make a half a billion dollar decision, the biggest decision of his life, based on Dave Roberts saying nothing. Nope, nope, sorry Dodgers, you're blocked. Lose my number. We told you how how it was. We told you how it was going to go. We told you to keep my name out your mouth and Dave couldn't do it. You're out, you're blocked. That's private. So I'll ask once again, what are we even doing here? Boom. Dave Roberts what did not doing? jeopardize anything yesterday. And let me tell you something. If he did, somehow he did, that's on Shohei. That's not on Dave Roberts. If Shohei can't handle his manager or this manager acknowledging that the two sides talk for a couple of hours, a couple of days back, then I'm guessing he can't handle the rest of what comes with being a Dodger. If that dude is so sensitive... And too sensitive for that comment, then he's too sensitive for the Dodgers, period. It makes no sense that that dude would period. base his decision on that answer. But then again, it's a little confusing right now which Shohei is basing his decision on. Why don't we go there? Why don't we go there for a minute? Because as private as this guy is, he's right. made a couple of things really clear very publicly for years now. What does he want? Everybody's like, well, what does he want? Where is he going to go? What's important to him? We know. He said so. He's made it very clear. He wants to win, and he wants warm weather. He's made that very clear. And yet, the reported finalists in the Shohei sweepstakes outside of Southern California are the Blue Jays, the Giants, and the Cubs. Not exactly a pile of immediately ready-to-win teams in warm-weather markets. In fact... Those three franchises have a combined two postseason wins in the last six years. So again, what are we doing here? I thought this dude was absolutely desperate to play October baseball. I thought this dude was absolutely insistent on going to a team that was ready to win right now. If what he's been putting out there for years is to be believed, who satisfies all that? The Dodgers. Yet I'm supposed to believe that Dave Roberts being honest and saying pretty much nothing at all is going to cause this dude to go someplace else. It, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Albie, how do you hang me out it there like that? It doesn't make any sense. Thank you for nothing, it's Alvin. It's happening, you guys. It's happening. Thank you for nothing, Alvin. It's not happening, Alvin. That's the problem. It's not happening. Now, don't play that music to make up for it. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, don't drop that horse on me either. Like, that's going to make up for it. 
Listen, what I'm saying is this. If this does not happen, if it does not go down, if the Dodgers don't get this guy, it's not on Dave Roberts. It's on Shohei. And it will be for the best. Because if he can't handle the tiniest amount of heat and scrutiny, and that's not even what that is. There is no heat in that. There is no scrutiny in that. But if he can't handle that, how is he going to handle the Dodgers? U.S. Cellular wants to help everybody get the gift of connection this holiday season. Already a customer? This applies to you, too, because right now, new and current customers can get any phone, and I mean any phone, for free. Yes, really free. Sounds like it's time to make the switch. Spread holiday cheer far and wide this season with a new phone. Everybody can get the gift of connection at U.S. Cellular. Get any phone free today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for for details. Now, Wells, why don't we address the elephant in the room? Wells, I'm sure you're off somewhere fist pumping and celebrating and busting out a box of victory Twinkies right now. Like your horrific take about Shohei is finally justified and that I finally agree that the dude is overrated. And today is finally the day you get to ceremoniously return to the jungle. No, that's not what's going to happen, Wells. You still have the worst take ever. Your band still stands. And I will never, ever agree that that dude is overrated because it'll never be true. But I can say this. His free agency approach is extremely high maintenance. It's annoying, frankly, and it's weird. And if the best dude ever being honest and saying nothing about a December meeting is really that big of a problem, then Shohei probably is not worth the trouble for the Dodgers over the course of a 10-year, half-a-billion-dollar deal anyway, as incredible as he is. In fact, let's be real. If this guy really is that sensitive about something that innocuous, good luck dealing with everything else that comes along with being in a major market with major expectations and the biggest contract ever which is why the Angels effectively let this guy do whatever the hell he wanted. Let me repeat that. If he's really that sensitive about something that innocuous, good luck dealing with everything else that comes along with being in a major market with major expectations and the biggest contract ever. In other words, congratulations, Toronto. Congratulations. On winning the Shohei sweepstakes. Who am I kidding? Of course the guy's not going to Toronto. He's clearly going to, wait for it, I know where he's going. I know where he's going to sign. And at the risk of blowing it for that team because I talked about them, I don't give a damn because I know. I know where he's going. You know how I know? I do, and I'll tell you why. But first let me let you know where he's going. Shohei clearly, is going to the Giants. The Giants. The money may be the same or close to the same everywhere, but in Frisco, Shohei gets the money and the sandwiches. Have you seen the story? My man Ike. Jungle legend Ike. Of Ike's. Ike is on record of saying he wants to change the name of his sandwich empire. And it is an empire. He wants to change the name of his sandwich empire to Shohei's if Shohei goes to Frisco. Who the hell can say no to that? And more importantly, who can match that? Who can match that? So what's important to Shohei? Winning, warm weather, and I would imagine... A sandwich empire. What the hell is Toronto going to do? What is Toronto going to do to counter or to match? Is the owner of Tim Hortons going to change their name to Shohei's? Doubt that. And by the way, if they did, it wouldn't matter. Tim Shohei's? Shohei Hortons? No way you can't match Ike. Yeah, I know. I know, I know. In SL, let me save you the trouble, clones. Sorry to wreck your fun, clones. I know. In Frisco, 
that half a bill can buy a sweet, multi-level, urine-free, feces-free cardboard box loft overlooking the fog and Alcatraz. Sorry that you don't get to send that to me. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. I'm talking about RG3, Robert Griffin III. Robert, really appreciate you being patient, working through it. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good, Jim. How about yourself? I am great, and I do appreciate you playing through that. Thanks so much. Hey, listen, you're versatile enough that we could take this conversation in any direction at all. But before we talk about the Heisman, can I get your thoughts on the NFL, and in particular, Zach Wilson? The Jets just now did announce that he's going to start this weekend. I'm curious, what did you make of that report that he might be apprehensive about playing for fear of getting hurt? Is he right to feel that way, or did the Jets do him dirty by leaking that information? Yeah, Jim, I mean, whoever leaked that information is just trying to do Zach Wilson dirty uh, once again. I feel like when he was benched, the reason they benched him wasn't because they knew they had better quarterback play in the weight. They knew that he was the best quarterback on the team. They just felt like they had to do something because they had been so bad offensively. But if you watch the tape, you could see that Zach Wilson was not the problem or not the main problem with the Jets on offense. It's their offensive line, their ability to protect. They can't run the football, so they're putting more pressure on him. But when you saw Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon go out there, now all of a sudden they're acting like the the girlfriend who, who left their own guy. And now they're trying to come back and say, oh, no, we need you. We need you. So I think it's hilarious that they're going back to Zach Wilson now uh, because we knew that they probably shouldn't have moved on from him anyway with who they had behind him. But, no, I agree with Aaron Rodgers. They're doing Zach Wilson dirty by leaking that information, and it shouldn't even be a conversation unless that person that leaked the information is willing to put their name uh, on the line to say that with their chest as opposed to doing it in a weaselly fashion through sources. RG3 joining us. He's appearing courtesy of Heisman Trophy Trust, more than a trophy campaign. That's, that ceremony is going to be this weekend. We will get into that. Robert, what do you make of the Niners carving the Eagles the way they did in San Francisco? Does that mean right now it's San Francisco and everybody else? Uh, I mean, the San Francisco 49ers, when they're healthy, they're they're the most team in NFL. Uh, I think that's been proven. Uh, the Eagles are 10-2, and two, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the sky is falling. What they need to do is, after that butt whooping to the Niners, they need to go look in the mirror and get back to doing what they normally do, which is run the football and win at the point of, of – it was 14 to six. They had 25 drop back passes and seven rushes from a running back. That is not Philadelphia Eagles offense. They need to get back to running the football and then they can utilize the play action with their two number one wide receivers that they had. And, and I think they're also missing uh, and they have missed the production from Dallas Goddard um, over the past few weeks. Um, you know, that offense is still a dynamic one. They just ran into a buzzsaw in the 49ers who have what feels like 25 all pros. You know, they got the Avengers on offense with with CMC, Debo, Trent Williams at left tackle. You got Ayuk out there. You got Juszczyk, the fullback. So I just think the – and I don't want to not mention Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy is a big part of it as well. He's not just a passenger. He's actually driving the car. And the way that they attack defenses offensively with formations and motion uh, and Brock Purdy's decision-making makes them very lethal when they have a top five defense on the other side playing like a top five defense so I think it was just a case of two great teams playing each other and one team being who they are knowing who they are and dictating it to the Eagles how they're going to take it RG3 joining us I'm glad you mentioned Purdy you kind of answered it but let me ask you a different way you watch him and obviously he's in a great system we know this he's got great guys around him we know that let me ask you this just because he's in a great system doesn't mean that every quarterback can run that system the way he does so is he a system quarterback or in your opinion is he an elite NFL quarterback no, I think the first we have to attack the notion of what is a system quarterback. Um, is Tom Brady a system quarterback? I would say, yes, he's a system quarterback because the system that he ran for 20-plus years in the NFL was very successful. 
I would say is Aaron Rodgers a system quarterback? Yes, because the system that he runs is very successful, and he brought that system with him from Green Bay to New York. Is Tom is is Peyton Manning the system quarterback? Yes, the system that he ran in Indy was extremely successful, and he brought that with him to Denver. So when you hear people say system quarterback, a lot of times we think, oh, they can't survive without that system. And I just mentioned to you three of the greatest to ever play this game who brought their system with them everywhere that they went. There's a reason for that. So we can throw the system quarterback conversation out the window if the greats in the game were system quarterbacks. For Brock Purdy, the, the real answer to this is what do great or elite quarterbacks do? They make great decisions. They get the guys involved like a point guard. They don't turn the football over, and they give you a chance to win. That's what the great quarterbacks do, and Brock Purdy's doing all of those things. So is he one of the greatest of all time? No. Is he playing – is he a top-five quarterback right now in the NFL the way that he's playing this year? Yes, he is, and all his numbers support that. People need to just get over that right now. It's okay. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft. He fell into a gold mine with the guys that are around him, but I'm not going to punish him for that. We shouldn't punish him for that. He is making the most of his opportunity, and he's getting those guys involved, and he's playing the position at a very high level. RG3 joining us. All right, so let's talk some college football really quickly. For those, you've been pretty vocal about this, but for those who do not know or haven't seen it, did the college football selection committee get it right, or did Florida State get screwed? Where do you come out? Yeah, I mean, the College Football Selection Committee did not get it right. I was not going to shy away from that. Um, they Not only did Florida State get screwed, but you could make the argument that Georgia got screwed as well. Georgia was number one in the rankings for the past three weeks. They lost to the eighth-ranked team, and they got bumped all the way to six. Florida State being at five is a travesty because they're a Power Five undefeated conference champion. So when you're Greg Sankey and you're the commissioner of the SEC and you say one of these things is not like the other – well, the fact of the matter is that ACC champion didn't lose a game all year. So we, as a media landscape, I don't think it's our job to excuse the behavior of the committee or of anything that happened of the teams that were selected because even though college football is big business and it is about money, what teams get into the college football playoffs should not be about that. It should not be about what conference they're from. You play the games. The games actually matter. Otherwise, you might as well just fast forward to the end of the year, not play the games, and just say, you know what, I think these are the four biggest brands or the four biggest brands that we can justify putting in. Let's just put them in. That's not what college football is supposed to be about. That's completely disingenuous to the fans, the coaches, the players, and everybody that loves the sport. So that's why I think the college football playoff committee got it wrong. But I've been even more upset with the excuses that are being made because we can agree to disagree and have different opinions, but don't sit here and, and pee on me or pee on Florida state or pee on Georgia and tell them it's just raining and that you feel sorry for them that they don't have an umbrella. What's going on right now and what happened is completely wrong. RG three joining us. I love that. Don't take a dump on them and say that you don't have an umbrella. Hey, let me ask you, you, the Heisman Trophy ceremony is held Saturday night. I spoke with Ron Day not long ago, Robert, and he was telling me the thing he remembered most about the night he won the Heisman was him being propped up by all the iconic previous winners who attended that ceremony. Take me back. What do you remember most about your Heisman experience in 2011 and everything that surrounded it? Yeah, I mean, to, to be quite honest with you, it was just the fact that I knew going into the weekend that I was going to be going up against and Baylor was going to be going up against some of the biggest blue blood programs out there. I mean, you're talking about Alabama had Trent Richardson, LSU had Tyron Matthew, uh, Wisconsin at the time, massive big-time team, had uh, Monty Ball at running back, and then Stanford, one of the most prestigious universities that we have in this country, had Andrew Luck. So I kind of went into the weekend thinking to myself, here I am at Baylor, who at the time in previous years people had called little old Baylor, and you're telling me that the, the voters are going to vote this guy from Baylor to beat these guys from these teams? I just didn't believe it would happen. Um, my coaches, uh, I, I looked at Coach Browse when it happened, uh, before it happened, uh, and going into that weekend, and he said, nah, Griffey, I think you got it. And to hear your name called in a moment with all those great players next to you, with all the legends that were standing on the stage, thinking back to everything that my family had been through, my, my dad, you know, wearing holy socks and having uh, the soles on his shoes falling off just so me and my sisters could have, could have brand new shoes that were seven seasons old. 
uh, all those things came to mind uh, when they called my name. And to be able to be a part of that fraternity is truly something that, that I cherish. And, and I'm glad that I got to experience that with Baylor Nation, uh, a fan base that felt like they had been marginalized, felt like they had been overlooked. And no one could overlook us anymore after that moment. So that's what I remember most. It was about everybody that helped me get there. That's cool. And you're going to welcome a new member to that community, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to join quarterbacks Jane Daniels, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr. As I mentioned, you're joining us today on behalf of the Heisman Trophy Trust, more than a trophy campaign. What are the details, Robert, and what should people know about the charitable impact of the Heisman? Yeah, I think when you talk about the new guys that have an opportunity to join the fraternity, the fan kind of thinks that the Heisman Trophy Trust only gives out the trophy, and then it is next year, and we'll give it out to a new guy. But that's not really what's going on, because they do more than just hand out that trophy, right? They have a Heisman charitable giving program that has given over $25 million to over 100 charities. We've got the Humanitarian Award that's going to Solomon Thomas this year from the New York Jets defensive lineman for all the things that he's been able to do into the community. We have the high school Heisman program. And really the main message that I want to get out there through the Heisman Trust and for the guys that are going to be the guy that's going to be joining the fraternity is the simple fact that what they're doing in the community is going to also help you do more things in your community. I have my own foundation, uh, the RG3 Foundation, where we attack food uh, insecurity in rural communities and also in inner cities. And the Heisman Trophy Trust has allowed me and helped me do that in a much bigger way. So it's not just about the trophy. It's not just about the guys that are getting the trophy and the fraternity you get to join, but it's also the charitable community that you get to join and give back to help people that helps you get there so that they can never feel like they're forgotten. Outstanding information. Robert Griffin III, he's got his Heisman Trophy from 2011 all over the ESPN platform as well. RG3, listen, again, thank you very much for making that happen. I know that we were supposed to do a Zoom call at the bottom of hour number one, and I know you moved some things around. I really appreciate you, really appreciate that conversation. Thanks so much for making that happen. No problem at all. Appreciate you having me on, Jim. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Probably so. Listen, this time, don't make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Grab instead a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. That's my go-to. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender and it's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. Plus, Old Trapper is a family-owned business. I know this family, and I know they take smoked beef extremely seriously so you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried rough beef in a bag nobody it's like eating an old shoe old trapper though is the real deal and it comes in four amazing flavors old-fashioned teriyaki peppered and hot and spicy so the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime anywhere grab some old trapper beef jerky look for it in the Clearview bag look for it in major retail stores near you if you don't see it just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares old trapper what's your beef we are joined right now by Sean Lewis. Sean, it's great to have you on. How are things? Jim, it's great. It's great to be on, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a great day in Southern California here. Yeah, right? It's a beautiful day in SoCal. Hey, Sean, let me ask you. You lead, you motivate, and you organize by nature, but I would imagine even for you the last week has got to be something of a whirlwind. How would you describe the last several days, and then how fired up are you for this opportunity? Uh, thrilled, right? The, the last week since getting the call, from JD to come out here and, and to lead and steward this program into the future has been incredibly exciting. Um, so much happening, getting staff in place, meeting with the players. It's everything that we asked for, everything we signed up for, and uh, thrilled for the opportunity to be here on the Mesa and, and leading our fine young men. Sean Lewis joining us. I'm going to ask you about that staff in a minute, but let me ask you this. Your name was connected to some other high-profile openings. Ultimately, what led you to San Diego State? You know, the biggest thing, Jim, for me has, has been about being able to be in a position where I can pour into young men and use this beautiful game to help them grow as sons and husbands and ultimately fathers, right? So having the opportunity to sit in the head chair again, to have a university and a community to believe in myself and more importantly, our vision and, and the work that we're going to do and to do it in, you know, paradise, one of the best places to live with a tremendous talent all around us and to be able to keep our hometown heroes home and to build a monster here 
with the Aztecs is something we're really fired up about. It is America's finest city. It says it right there on the sign when you roll in there. And I know I spent my formative years there. It's an amazing place. Sean Lewis is joining us. Sean, you mentioned your vision. What about your vision? What is your vision? What do you want your Aztecs to look like when they hit the field? In fact, what do you want them to look like on and off the field? Yeah, we want them to be alphas, as we commonly refer to them, you know, to where they know exactly who they want to be in the community as leaders in the community, serving and doing good for others first and foremost, that they're passionate about pursuing their degrees and getting a career well beyond when their playing days are done. And when it comes to to ball, when we step in between the white lines, you know, we're going to have a a unit and a group of men that are, are smart, that they're, they're disciplined, they're physical and explosive, and that's a fun brand to come to Snapdragon Stadium to see and that they compete at the highest level every single moment that they get. So, Sean, what about that staff that you mentioned? What are you looking for in building out a staff? Yeah, the, the biggest thing, first and foremost, is that they're, they're people of high character. right? I, I want everyone that interacts with our young people to be pouring into them. It's not necessarily about what they do or what we do, but how we can give and how we can serve to our kids, right? So men and women of high character um, that, that are extremely competent in their areas of expertise and that are consistently producing at a championship level day in and day out. Those are the traits that I covet. Those are the traits that we're going to um, look for as we round out the remainder of the staff. I'm very excited about some of the guys that we already have here that are already, you know, in L.A. today. We're in San Diego yesterday and uh, interacting with the, the fine coaches of this area so that we can keep the local talent home. Sean Lewis is new head coach of San Diego State. Sean, one of the guys who apparently is going to be a part of the process, according to reports, Colorado legend Darian Hagan, who you worked with this past year in Boulder, is that hire official? And if so, why is that such a critical hire for you? Yeah, it's official, and he's here, and he's actually out and about right now as we speak. And again, you know, the the his background in L.A., being from L.A., having West Coast ties, but again, the, the person that he is and having the ability to interact with him each and every single day while I was at Colorado. And again, just hearing all the stories from past players and the impact that he had while he was at Colorado. It was a, it was a major victory early on here for us to be able to get him to come West with us and to get him back here uh, to, to lead our running back room. Hey, Sean, as you move forward in your career, if you need any help conjuring up memories of that season in Boulder, I'm sure there's any number of documentaries in production about Coach Prime's first year. I mean, what are you going to take away from your experience of working with Deion Sanders and that you're in Boulder? Yeah, I mean, the, the energy and enthusiasm that we brought to the Boulder community that Coach brought to, brought to Colorado, and, and again, just the way that people from all over, in short order, you know, really – aligned together to be able to do great work and to lay a foundation that I know coach is going to build off of and do great things as he continues to move forward there at Colorado. Let me ask you this. The program, I mean, it was something to see, right? It was the biggest thing in the sport. It was the biggest thing in all of sports for a period of several weeks, but then things kind of went south and then the team lost Davis the last nine. What was it like for you to be in the eye of that storm? You know, I mean, whether it was the, the highs or the lows that the external, you know, world was seeing for us and for me, most importantly, it was always about giving to the kids. And, and regardless of, you know, it was week one and we did what no one thought that we could do. You know, we, we believed from the very beginning that that was going to happen. Um, but it was about doing the next thing the right way and, and making sure that we were, again, pouring into the kids, giving them the resources that they need and that we were caring for them in all aspects of their life. So, Really the highs and the lows that, again, the public felt. You know, for us, it was, again, just head down, doing the work, you know, when it's hard, and, and, and again, trying to do that work at an incredibly high level so that we could be giving to the kids in all areas that we needed to. And that's always been my focus. That always will be my focus, regardless of what the scoreboard says at the end of the day. Hmm. Sean, one more thought about this, because I know you're focused on what's in front of you and not what's behind you. But in hindsight, is twenty twenty. But you gave up a lot to go there. You were a head coach, and you were doing really well. Knowing what you know now, do you regret the decision to go to Boulder? No, not at all. If I did not make that that leap of faith and make that move, we wouldn't be talking today, Jim. Right? Like I've been a Midwest guy primarily for the majority of my career. A little bit of time up in the Northeast, and coach gave me a tremendous opportunity, and I'm grateful for it. To 
to come west and, and to establish some ties out this way. And because of the great work that we were able to do, you know, it opened this door and this opportunity. So, no, no, no regrets. Grateful and thankful for the experiences shared and the lessons learned and, and needed to apply them and to, to build something special here. San Diego State head coach Sean Lewis is joining us. Sean, I'm glad you mentioned your Midwest background because you're all about the Aztecs right now. But let's not forget, you played your college ball in Wisconsin. I consider you a part of what I call the Badger Mafia, and I mean that in a good way. <laughs> what was it like to be recruited by Barry Alvarez and his staff and playing for him in Madison? Yeah, it was a special experience. Uh, I got to play for Coach Alvarez for his last two years and, uh, you know, was a halfway decent high school player and was able to meet a lot of great people through the recruitment process. But the, the minute Coach Alvarez came into my home and he sat down in our family room and, and my mom got a chance to interact with him and, and cook him a meal, he left and that was a wrap. And, and I was going to be a Badger and, and being a part of that Badger brotherhood is something really special. And, um, you know, it, it was a unique experience that has really set me up. And because of that network and, and that community, right, has, has opened the doors for this beautiful profession that, that I get to pursue and I get to do. And just trying to give back to, again, these kids the same way that Coach Alvarez and his staff gave to me when I was a player. Sean, you just nailed it. You just said it. It's that network. That's what I mean by the Badger Mafia. The second I mentioned that our son was looking for a college and that Wisconsin might be a possibility, all of a sudden the phone call started coming. There is a network. There's a Badger Mafia, and I mean that in the best way. Listen, before you go, the Aztecs won 12 games in 2021, only four games last year, four wins. So are you approaching this as a rebuild or maybe just a reset? This is a reset, right? There's an unbelievable foundation here going all the way back to the Air Coriel days where they were slinging it all over the place and having great success for the past 15, 20 years, as you alluded to, right? Not too long ago, 12-2 and two season, you know, to where there's an unbelievable cultural expectation. There's a cultural foundation that has been laid by the work that tremendous people have done before we have arrived here. And I'm very grateful to, to be stewarding the program right now and we're going to put our own touches on it we're going to refine it and reset it a little bit but th this is an opportunity where we can really elevate and, and, and stay at consistent heights that everyone in the area knows and expects San Diego State to be at. So one last thing, Sean, we covered a lot of ground. I appreciate you. San Diego State traditionally schedules up at a conference. This year, the new wrinkle is Oregon State and Washington State are going to form a scheduling alliance with the Mountain West Conference. You know both because you're in the Pac-12. What's your reaction to that deal? And then how much additional value does that alliance add to your conference? I think it's a great opportunity for our program and for our young men to where you get to compete against the best of the best. It was something, again, having some firsthand experience with it. When I was at Kent State, shoot my last year there, our, our non-conference out of schedule, we went to uh, Washington, Jim, we went to Oklahoma, we went to Georgia in the first month of the season. And that was something that our kids got really excited about, that we were able to go compete, we were able to use in the recruitment process, and, and we're going to be able to have those, those same shared experiences here to where I, you, you want to leave a legacy and you want to elevate the program, then let's welcome and take on any and all challenges do the work every single day at a championship level, and then we will create some unbelievable moments together that we'll all be able to brag about, hopefully, at the end of the year. Hey, Sean, your energy is elite right now. How many hours of sleep have you gotten since you were named head coach? <laughs> uh, not a ton, but thank goodness for the, the good Lord that he made some caffeine. And also, you know, that, again, being able to, to serve and the, the, the humility to know that, Everyone within our organization is dependent upon me, you know, and I've been very fortunate to be around some great people. I think we've got a common friend in, in Buzz Williams and, and leaned on him a little bit, and he taught me a few years back that make sure you're feeding yourself so that you can feed other people. But as the, the head of the organization, you're the, the chief, chief energy officer, so, so you better bring it and you better have it. And, and I'm fired up to, to be here and to lead and to serve these kids. Good stuff. You're right. We do have a common friend in Buzz Williams. That sounds like Buzz. Sean, congrats on getting that gig. Can't wait to see how that team looks. And really good to have you on the show, Sean. Thank you so much. Great conversation. Jim, thank you. Go Aztecs. So why don't we talk some basketball? Let me change gears. I mean, yo, yo, did you catch the Lakers and the Suns last night? Did you catch the quarterfinal what I'm going to argue is the most electric, most must-watch tournament in all sports. 
I mean, hell, I got to tell you something. I watched that game. I watched that game, and I was praying that it never ended. I didn't want that game ever to end. I wish I was still watching that game. And then when the game did end, DJ's like, are you coming to bed? And I said, I'd like to, but I can't come down off the high, man. I am buzzing. I am buzzing so hard from this game. She's like, what is the matter with you? All you do is watch games. I'm like, yeah, but not like that game. Not like that game. Everything about that game. I'm like, hey, listen, you book all of our flights. Can you please get on Southwest.com and book me a flight to Vegas? You can even come, DJ. I know we were just there and hadn't been there in 10 years. We're going back. Because everything about that was amazing. From the pageantry to the literal court, the physical court itself, to, oh my gosh, the players actually giving a little bit of effort during the regular season. What an incredible spectacle. My man ears, good job, good effort. No, scratch that. Amazing job, amazing effort, incredible ears. You did it, you did it. The in-season tournament is a massive, smashing success. Um, why don't we slow the hell down? Why don't we slow the hell down with that and back the hell up? If you didn't, the reason I say this, if you didn't catch that game last night, or you only followed it on the X or social media, or you're turning on your TVs, and radios this morning, and people are talking about it, you would have thought that was freaking Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Lakers, Celtics back in the day. Look, I get it. We're all guilty of being prisoners of the moment. Recency, bias, I understand this. I myself get caught up at times. Hell, after Monday Night Football, I was ready to declare Jake Browning the best quarterback in the NFL since Joe Montana. Of course I was not. Because that would be ridiculous and sound ridiculous, which is why saying that this now is suddenly the greatest thing ever since sliced bread is also ridiculous. And that because of this, Ears finally solved all of the association's problems with his gimmickly, gimmicky little in-season tournament. Gimmicky little Relax. Let's not get carried away. Yes, I watched that game last night. Yes, the game was awesome. Partly, and quite frankly, for the most part, it was awesome because we had two of the greatest going bucket for bucket with LaFib and KD, each going off. Even street clothes showed up big and went 27 and 15. It's just too bad that Ears had to come up with a gimmicky little playoff tournament to get those two teams to show up and show out like that. Isn't that the gig? Right? Isn't that their gig? Without those stupid-looking floors and gimmicky little bribes that they came up with for the players in season that the players don't even seem to know about. I mean, couldn't we get that kind of effort nightly without the gimmicky little IST? I'm pretty sure we don't even get guys playing that game without the gimmicky little IST. Because that's what stars do during the regular season. They sit. Otherwise, ears wouldn't be out there painting those floors, those hideous colors in the first place. However, credit where credit is due. It's not like I have a take and then I'm totally dogmatic, good word, and locked in on that take and never changed. Thanks, Albie. No. I'm open-minded and I evolve and I change And credit where credit's due. And I want to give ears his. After the game, we did get another solid piece of sound. Another solid piece of audio. Austin Reeves was at his post-game presser walking through that dagger three that he hit at the end of the game when D'Angelo Russell happened by and hit him with this. High IQ play is, you know, he's probably done a million times in his career and um, called timeout. Heat nuts! (laughs) Big nuts. Big nuts. So a day after we get a good jackass. Jackass. 
We're now getting big nuts. Big nuts. That's cool. So I'll give ears credit. If we keep getting audio drops like that, big he nuts. can keep painting the courts and making them as ugly as he wants. Wait, there's more. So the Bucks also played in a quarterfinal game last night that they won. For all of you who still care. Actually, one guy in Milwaukee did. He warred them earlier this show, winning the tournament. But they won, and they advanced by curb-stomping the Knicks. Best part about that ass-kicking was the Knicks thought they already were in. They thought they already made it to Vegas. They thought that. <laughs> like, they don't even know how it works. So before you tell me this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, explain to me how the Knicks as an organization don't even know how it works. They thought they already earned their trip to Vegas. When in reality, all they earned from the group stage was a trip to Milwaukee. These guys are like packing the bags. Yeah, going to Vegas. No, no, you're going to Milwaukee. The Midwest Vegas. And then you're going to get absolutely waxed. Even the team still have no idea how this thing works. Because they thought they were in. So, the Bucks smash the Knicks. And then Giannis tells us how he gets down in Vegas. To make it a little better, you said you're going to play roulette. You're going to get at least $100,000. So, that'll make it easier. Are we getting money now? We got some money? That's a, new, that's a surprise to you. That is get richer. All right, Grant Hill just whispered in my ear. Uh, Mr. Hill would like you to place some money on black for him while you're in Vegas. On black? I, I only bet 34 red. 34 red. <laughs> no, no black. Giannis is so awesome. He is so great. They're like, hey, so are you going to hit the roulette table now that you get 100 grand? He's like, wait, what? We get money? Let it get richer. And even better, once he found out that he got money, he then piled on with the rich get richer. The rich get richer. Only Giannis can get away with something like that, and it's charming, and it's funny, and it's cool. If any other super, super rich guy were just to find out that he got 100 gur, and 100 gur to him is just walk around money and say, hey, man, the rich get richer, you'd want to fight that guy, right? The rich get richer. He's so great. Hey, wait, wait, we, we get money? And they're like, you didn't know? <laughs> the rich, I do now. The rich get richer. The rich get richer. And then Grant Hill, my dude. Love Grant. Grant's like, you to put that down in black, right? He's like, not 34 red. 34 red. I, I only bet 34 red. 34. He didn't even know the prize money for this thing. The Knicks didn't even know they weren't invited. So stop telling me this is the best thing ever. And that was like game seven of the NBA Finals. Credit where credit's due, ears. Come to find out, here's your credit. Here's your credit. This was not the worst idea ever. Too bad you had to implement it to get the teams and players to actually care about the regular season. But I will give you this. While far from the best thing ever, like some are making it out to be this morning, it is not the worst thing ever. But not because the ball is so great, but because, and let me run down some reasons why I like it, Draymond tried to sleep Rudy Gobert with that chokehold. That was awesome. Joe Mazzula ran it up on Eddie Munster, and Edward was not having it. That was awesome. Pandemic P lost a game on a wedgie. That was awesome. Street clothes actually pushed a dude. With both hands. That was awesome. And yes, we finally did get a good game or two, even if you had to bribe the teams and players to get it. And they don't even know what the bribe is. But I'll give you that. Just stop acting like this season, this in-season tourney, is the best thing ever. Because it's not. It's not the best thing ever. It's just not the worst thing ever, like most people thought it would be. And as for the controversy at hand, as for that game that was so awesome, it is pretty surprising how great basketball is when guys, I don't know, show up and try. Here's the shot that Austin Reeves made to get the big nuts shout out 
from D'Lo. Seconds to go. And a trip to Vegas on the line. Six-second difference. Reeves. Oh, yeah! Lakers lead by four. Well, you thought it was going to be LeBron. Maybe Anthony Davis. Nope. Austin Reeves with his 20th point. Great shot, especially with, quote, a trip to Vegas on the line. A little cheesy, but it was a big shot. Six-second difference. Here's the controversy. With so much on the line, including a trip to Vegas, the Lakers and Big Nuts caught a break. Check this. James tosses in for Reeves. Booker is playing with those five fouls. So is Durant. Oh, the ball squirts loose. What are they calling here? A timeout. The Lakers oh. get a timeout with 7.4 on the clock. But I am. The ball was a loose ball. How could it have been a timeout when no one had possession? Let's see when LeBron was calling timeout here. Here's, the, here's Reeves. When the ball comes out, uh, no one has possession. So how could it be a timeout? Frank Vogel is livid right now. So Reggie and the X lost their minds with that. Ears made the call to the refs to get the Lakers in. LeBron whining, the ref show, usual NBA Twitter. What are they calling here? A timeout. Did LeBron call the timeout before Austin lost the ball? Yes, no. Maybe too close to call, whatever. But if Austin loses that, you know, Delos not yelling big nuts after the game. Big nuts. Be more like big choke. Big nuts. Big dunce. Big nuts. Big goof. Big nuts. Big dope. Big nuts. Or just the tried and true, simple, classic. Jackass. Jackass! Don't say that I don't give people credit. There's your credit. And a trip to Vegas on the line. And a trip to Vegas on the line. Good night!